This morning I'm going to be reading in Judges, chapter 17, and if you would turn to the book of Judges, it follows the book of Joshua, which precedes the book of Ruth, and precedes the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Chapter 17, and before we start the reading, I feel like this is a very prophetic message this morning for the day in which we live today, for what we see around us today. I, I do uh, feel that this is a prophetic message. And Don, do you have a tally yet? Huh? No. no. Okay. If you do, you can interrupt me. It's okay. But a little background is necessary before we start reading because we need to see just how godless the state of Israel was in at this particular time. During the 400 years of the judges, uh, as they ruled Israel, the people basically made up their own way, their own rules, their own religion, and despite having the books of the law, written by Moses, of course, to guide them, they simply set them aside, ignored them, and made their own way. So that their covenant God was distantly talked about, as we're going to see, but he was not worshipped, he was not followed, and instead they freely intermingled the covenant God with idolatry. So we're going to be reading chapter, Judges chapter 17, starting verse 1. And I'm going to tell you before I even start this reading, we're going to, I'm, you're going to hear the words, but there's more, because we're going to stop and uh, go back through the first six verses, and, and then we'll carry on with more. So now there was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. This is not the Micah of the minor prophet book of the Old Testament. This is a different Micah. There are actually seven Micahs spoken of in Scripture, and this is not the minor prophet who wrote the book of his same name. So verse 2, he said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver which were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse in my hearing, behold, the silver is with me, I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. He then returned the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother, and his mother said, I wholly dedicate this silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will return them to you. So when he returned the silver to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave them to the silversmith who made them into a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod, which is the priestly garment, and household idols, and he consecrated one of his sons that he might become his priest." 
In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did what was right in his own eyes. So to break this down, Mama had a lot of money that was stolen by her own son. But when the son heard the mother pronouncing a curse upon the thief who stole it from her, him, he decided it was in his best interest to return the money and thereby absolve himself of his mother's curse. How misled can one household be? Mom has the money, son steals it. Mom curses thief, son is afraid of curses and returns it. Mom thanks God for its return, but then uses it to have false gods made for her thieving son, whom she did not correct for stealing it in the first place. And then the son uses his own child to be a false priest to a false god. They were not from the tribe of Levi, whom God had set aside to be the priesthood. They did whatever they wanted. They commingled the covenant God of Israel with idolatry to do whatever was right in their own eyes. Now you can see why I said, but there's more. Let's move on. Verse 7. Now there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah of the family of Judah who was a Levite, and he was staying there. Then the man departed from the city, from Bethlehem in, Judea, in Judah, excuse me, to stay wherever he might find a place. And as he made his journey, he came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. Micah said to him, where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to stay wherever I can find a place. And Micah said to him, Well, dwell here with me, and be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year, a suit of clothes, and your maintenance. So the Levite went in. The Levite agreed to live with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. And now possibly the most heartbreaking statement of all that we've read so far, verse 13. And then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me, seeing I have a Levite as priest. Such a messed up view of the blessing of God and of who God is. One commentary I consulted said that God could not possibly bless him, Micah, for several very good reasons. One, this man was a Levite from the tribe of Levi, but he'd been living where he shouldn't have been living in Judah on his own because he was outside the hand and the reach and the purvey of the high priest. Phineas was the high priest, and he had full responsibility for the priesthood throughout the nation. 
And they did neither one of them obey God in the scripture. Or else this Levite wouldn't have been living where he shouldn't have been living, going door to door, searching for work on his own. That is not how God established the priesthood to operate. Number three, Micah's house became a house of idols. Yet this disobedient Errant priest of God was willing to serve in it. Micah himself was a farce. The house of idols were fake. The, and Micah had used his own son in his pursuit of idolatry as a fake priest until this errant Levi, Levi priest came along. And he was a little too eager to serve in a house of all these fakes and idols for dirty money. God had established that the role of the priest would be to serve in the tabernacle, as you know, certainly not in a home filled with idols. So God couldn't have it this way. And as a result, verse 13, where Micah said, now I know God will bless me, did not come to pass as Micah had expected. For God did not bless and prosper him. Instead, in the next few chapters, and I won't read that, Micah was robbed not only of all of his idols, but the priest was also taken from him, and his entire shrine was destroyed. God did not establish that the children of Israel were to worship in a home shrine. They were to worship in the tabernacle. And they'd strayed so far from the heart of God and his word by doing their own thing that they were in serious spiritual trouble and didn't even know it. Being outside the will of God and ignoring his word exposes anyone, whoever we are, to great danger, dangers of all kinds, because doing our own thing simply is not safe. But you might say, but surely I'm smart enough not to do these crazy things that are so blatantly against God, and I would absolutely agree and pray that we are smart enough and dedicated enough to the Lord not to do such things. Would you please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. In this passage, Paul is writing to admonish Timothy, the pastor of the church, about some of these very same things. Reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And herein I think you will see some correlations to what we just read that was so abhorrent to God. Verse 1, but realize this that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, 
irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here is the rhema word, if you've been looking for it, right here, verse 5. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied the power, avoid such men as these. This was Paul's admonishment to admonition to Timothy, the pastor of this church. Verse 6, for among them are those who entered in, enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning, yet never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, you remember I preached about this probably a year and a half ago, where these two men used witchcraft and divination to try to imitate the miracles that God told Moses to do with his rod, and they could not. The Bible says they tried, but they could not, and they were so disgraced in front of all the people. Verse 8 going on, so these men also oppose the truth, men of depraved minds, rejected in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, says verse 9, for their, their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres follow, folly also was. Church, they too, those who rejected God's power for their own will to be done, just like Micah, will not fare well. Their folly, these men who, who commit all of these things listed here in 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 3, they will also be exposed before the world. We've heard prophecy after prophecy of how the exposures are coming, and they are coming fast and furious of the evil that has been laid in this country. And it will become obvious to all, and it can only come by being exposed. Exposure of the faults, exposure of the fake, and exposure of the untrue. And Paul said, those who, even if they have a form of godliness, look at Micah. He tried to make himself look godly. He even said, I'm going to use my own child to be a priest. He was no more a priest than their dog would have been because he wasn't established by God in the line of the priesthood. Even if they have a form of godliness, but they deny God's power, we are to avoid them. Is that not what the scripture said? Do not partner with them. Do not socialize with them. Do not enter into their houses because they may delude you. They may use you. They may deceive you. 
Have we learned to spot the forms of godliness that we might see? Do they have a shrine? Probably not. A fake sun priest? Probably not. Or even an insincere, errant, real priest? Hopefully not. But do they have these characteristics that we just read, that we see in these last days that are described in verses 2 and two and through 4? Lovers of self and money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. I won't read the whole thing again. But lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And that's what tied the Micah story to these difficult, treacherous days that we live in now and that Paul wrote to warn Timothy about. Neither loved God, Micah nor, nor the Levite. They were both in the wrong, certainly not the mother, not Micah, and not these that Paul describes as wrapped up in themselves, even if they act godly. But they refuse the power of the one who, true God who can make them holy and pure. They may, they may have some outward trappings, like the right-sounding language, like going to a church, like saying, I have my faith, but in their hearts they do not follow, do not believe in, do not worship the one true God. And the Apostle Paul said to avoid them. I'm closing in just a minute. But Paul went on comforting Timothy, encouraging him, giving him hope. In verse 10, he said, But you, Timothy, have followed my teachings, my conduct. You can put your name right there. You, what your name is, have followed my teachings, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, and perseverance. You've even followed me into my persecutions and my sufferings, from all of which the Lord has delivered me. And now look at verse 12. For indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through Christ which is in through faith excuse me which is in Christ Jesus and church we have to remember that when we are persecuted for his name's sake verse 16 tells us that all scripture is given it is inspired by God and it is profitable 
for our teaching, even when we go through persecutions, for our reproof, when we get too far off that beaten path and we need to be pulled back in, for our correction and for training us in righteousness so that to the end, the man of God may be found adequate, equipped for every good work. The King James says, that we would be found perfect, wanting nothing in him. So here are the weed betters that we can take away from this message. We'd better know which is which. We'd better know which are the godly and which are the fakes and why. We'd better hold on to the things that we've learned of God and the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ above all else. And we'd better be sure that we've been made by him to be adequate and equipped for every good work through salvation. Amen? Will you stand with me? Father God, we humble our hearts before you this morning. We may not encounter shrines and idols in our pathway, or we very well may encounter them in some form or fashion, but we certainly do see many, many who display the attributes, some form of godliness, Lord, what they say with their mouth, but in their heart they deny the power and even persecute those who truly do believe in you. For, Father, we know that you are the one true righteous God who forgives sin and who heals hearts and who makes us adequately equipped for eternal life in heaven. Lord, we pray for them. We ask, O oh God, that the Holy Spirit would get a hold of their heart and turn them, turn them, Lord, to you, the one true God, to walk away from their idols and their shrines and their forms of godliness that mean nothing, but they turn to you and ask for true salvation through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask today, that you take this, this offering, Lord, that you put on our hearts and that you give it wings to go and to do the work, Lord, to be exactly where and what you need it to be, for whom it needs to be. And we ask that in the name of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that you go with us. Remain in your place for just a moment that you go with us, Lord, as we leave this place and help us to be thoroughly equipped, Lord, adequately equipped to do your work among the godless, Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Don, do you have a report? Oh. I thank the Lord.
for a combined total of $2,502. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening and for participating and doing what the Lord put on your heart. Amen. I love you, everyone. God bless you.